Hello, and welcome back to The Violet Vulture, or simply welcome if you're new here. My name is Emmy, and I'll be your host. I identify as a storyteller, Datsula, witch, and an all-around too-much person. And what do we do here on the pod? Well, we love and honor the spooky, the esoteric, spirituality, art, curiosity, horror, shadow work, strong opinions, and questions. A lot of this podcast does come from my own reflections, thoughts, perspectives, but a lot of it does come from you all. So do drop a voice memo or a comment on Spotify, DM me, email me, your fascination, morbid curiosity, special interest, and your topic just might make it onto the pod. So let's keep chatting. I absolutely love your questions. Let's continue to get deep, vulnerable, and so, so weird. Just a few things before we get on to today's episode. At the time of recording this particular announcement, just as a quick FYI, uh, doing some website updates. It's going to be a whole new experience on soyemmy.com. So if you go and click on it at time of recording this announcement, like mid-February, you're going to see a little like under construction sort of lingo, like we're offline. Just going to make some updates, you know, still still in business, still doing the things, but felt like it was time to do a little refresh there. So that's what's going on with that if you happen to click on it around around now. But if you're listening in like March, mid-March onward, you may not even notice. So there you go. And yeah, in terms of today's episode, it was a real joy to record. It's always a joy to have some time to sit and talk with Jess of Somatide. You know, there's that real, what I call projector magic that happens between two projectors when we get together and you begin to ask each other questions about what you're really activated by, what you're really excited about. It it really, you could just tell the... If, if this were a video podcast, you would see like our eyes light up and you'd see how animated we get. It, it's really lovely to witness, but I think it does still definitely come across in the audio of this episode as well. And uh, yeah, Jess is a joy. I really value her generosity, her openness with talking about, about Vedic, about sidereal astrology. She's a really gifted, intuitive Really, really lovely, wonderful insight. And yeah, I, I really hope that you enjoy this episode and that you come away with it knowing a little bit more about this type of astrology because I came in with like almost no knowledge aside from the fact that one, she did it and that it's different from the Western astrology that I'm a bit more well-versed in. So hope you enjoy. And without further ado, let's get on to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Violet Vulture. Today, I have a really special guest on the podcast. I have Jess of Soma Tide. Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for just being so open with your perspective, because I'm still learning a lot. But when 
it was introduced to me that there was an additional astrology. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> say, say more right now. So for those that are completely new, I'd love for you to rattle off like how you describe yourself as well as how you would define Vedic astrology. And we'll get into how it differentiates it as well. I feel like that will be a lot of the conversation too. Yeah, of course. So I'd describe myself as a Vedic sidereal astrologer. A lot of people uh, use the traditional name for a Vedic astrologer, which is a Jyotish. Um, I don't because I am not Indian. <laughs> And I am very uh, respectful of, not that I think that people who are not of Indian descent using um, that word, uh, that, that title, because that is its, you know, Sanskrit name, but it's just more for me, I feel uncomfortable using it. So I always say Vedic sidereal, because I think also when you say Vedic, a lot of people Firstly, I'm not sure they go, oh, do you mean like yoga, Ayurveda? And it's like, yes, it is the sister science to both of those um, those beautiful ancient practices. But the specific magic that comes from it is that it uses the sidereal zodiac, which is used by a lot of uh, cultures. Um, the Chinese, Zod- uh, Chinese astrology uses the sidereal zodiac and um so does arabic and it's an ancient always been used because the ancients knew that the zodiac changed throughout the ages and it couldn't be fixed to a seasonal date nonetheless i also really describe myself as a creative i think that's probably my main title and the title i'm most proud of i'm a like long-term business owner and small business owner and a mum as well. So yeah, I, I wear very a lot of hats and I but I think the creativity part follows me through all of my different roles. So that's probably my most favorite title. Mm-hmm. But I am obsessed with astrology and everything that happens in my life or in other people's lives or when I meet someone I'm always thinking, I wonder what factors make that up you know (laughs) because it's there's always like another layer behind everything absolutely and you know thank you for laying that out so beautifully I'm curious because I don't know if we've touched on this like when we have talked one-on-one but what inspired you to pursue studying Vedic astrology to the point where it now is more of your focus as an astrologer than the western kind of thing that tends to dominate more so I've never studied western astrology I was a consumer of western astrology for forever like my mum from like my youngest memories would read the horoscopes in the newspaper or magazines like always first thing grab a magazine or a newspaper straight to the horoscopes like my mum is like a low-key witch like she wouldn't admit to it but she is um she's always had oracle cards and um, she's very magical and I think she she knows that part. So I didn't the apple didn't fall far from the tree. I've always been like I love astrology. Um, I've always looked into it, but I it honestly always went over the top of my head. It was too big. Like I only knew my family signs. I only knew little bits. I've always been very 
uh, captivated and affected by the lunar cycle. So I've always known a lot about that. And people, funnily, but way before I started learning astrology, people would always come to me and ask me what was happening in the sky. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm awesome on Google. I'm a bit of like an internet you know, um, researcher, that's my eighth house. You can see very dominant in my chart. And so I can always find something really quickly. And so I would be literally like, I just quick Google like moon phase and then I'd be able to, oh, it's, you know, a new moon, full moon. Most people, when they bring stuff like that, it is usually around those specific times because we're all connected to it. We can feel it. It's just if you are aware of it or not. So yeah, I've always been really affected and, and interested, but basically what got me in, I had a series of like cosmic events, you could probably say. I went through my nodal return just after my son was born and um, that kind of bring a lot of energy and influx into, you know, looking for my purpose and what I wanted to do. Obviously, I'd been through a really lot massive life change I just closed a business that I had for 10 years down and then I became a first-time (laughs) mum and that's you know a massive adjustment I then uh, studied like various different healing modalities because I've always had a really big interest in um, health and alternative medicine Um, generally like very energetic and like sort of um esoteric things and then I um, had my daughter and just after she was born there was a massive eclipse like huge it went four hours I actually think it went for literally four hours Um, and it was actually in my um, sun sign so it was sidereal Capricorn eclipse and yeah, it was really long. And because I was up at crazy hours of the night, I watched a lot of it because I was breastfeeding her. Little did I know at the time that it's very auspicious to observe an eclipse. And in um, the Vedic teachings, it's actually bad for your health. So you're not supposed to look at eclipse because it's it like a um, fractioned energy and it's like distorted. So it can be quite like sort of shadowy and dark but also it actually has a different radiation nonetheless uh it was actually great for me because I had been in a really deep like postpartum anxiety hole or haze and it really flicked the switch for me I woke up and (laughs) realized that I you know was in this um sort of funny space And then I also had found this course that I wanted to study that didn't start for a few months. I think maybe, oh, it it was probably around then that I realized about it, but I didn't sign up straight away. But a few months later, I signed up to this course that I was doing. And on the literal course uh, map, it said Vedic Astrology and my eyes went straight to it. So this was an Ayurveda course and it had a module on Vedic astrology. But I was like, oh, my God, I want to do that. Like I want to learn this. I also love Ayurveda and I love like everything about the sort of working with nature and with the elements because it's really elemental. 
So anyways, I studied that and it wasn't until like the last module, literally the whole year, last module that we did it. And I uh, was like, this is my thing. I'm obsessed. Like I loved it from the minute I learned. And it was basics that I learned. Like it was very, very basic. It was, you know, a four hour lecture about the bones really of Vedic astrology. And I was just, I need more. Being a projector in human design, I deep dived hard, (laughs) like, and just went straight into the system. And I self-studied for like every, pretty much every waking hour. And now I was a stay-at-home mum with two kids under two. So (laughs) I literally just every, you know, minute of the day I would have, I'd be doing my household stuff, but I'd be listening to astrology lectures and, you know, researching everything. And I started with my own chart, my family's chart, and, you know, my children specifically was really helpful because, you know, I could see them through a different lens. And so I just started learning that. And then, yeah, the sort of, I just had to keep going. So, yeah. That's incredible. And out of curiosity, like what you were doing prior to stepping into focusing on astrology, like that big shift that you had, was it in any way related to to what you're doing now? Was it still kind of in the wellnessy, like esoteric kind of space? Or was it completely removed from that? So I was studying um TCM so traditional Chinese medicine and again very elemental Chinese medicine and Ayurveda really hold some similar roots and this is not a foreign concept considering that we know that people would pass knowledge around the world so a lot of these systems they carry you know similarities but also uh, there's a you know a through line with them all because we all share that collective consciousness as you know you would know with the akashic records we all have that connection so it's not surprising so it does have a very like similar and as i said chinese astrology is uh, an interesting thing as well although my barrier big time with um chinese medicine and chinese astrology is obviously the language barrier so there's you know because it, there, there is a, a massive difference. So, uh, yeah, I, um, it did have like that similarity. And I think that they're all just a, a step on the path for me. Everything I've done ever has always just led me one step further. I've never felt like I did a, you know, a back step or anything like that. I might have done a few side steps in my past, but always like felt like it was leading me to um, you know, the direction where I am now. And even now I can see that maybe I'm not at that, you know, what I would call like success point and being a projector, you know, that's the signature success. And sometimes I don't feel like I've found it, but I'm always like, this is a part of the path. And I have a complete trust and faith in, you know, the divine that I'm at the right place in the right time. And that, you know, going on, I will, be you know in the exact right place for the next thing I think that's such a beautiful perspective because you know I've touched on this a little bit 
with other folks that I, I feel like the astrology that I grew up with that I am most familiar with is a lot of like a lot of stereotypes, a lot of like negative attributes. And uh, I, I find that so funny and telling for so many reasons, like in Western astrology, like watch out for those Scorpios. And when you know it, like I love Scorpios, they're my best friends, like we get along so well. And it, it all feels so reductive. And I guess I'm curious about how Vedic astrology kind of maps out a person differently and kind of would allow for that kind of more um, holistic perspective into like who someone might be. Yeah, totally. So um, I agree with you 100% with uh, Western tropical astrology. It feels like it's a lot more like in a box. So you get put in one box, one sign. So, you know, like in Western tropical, I'm an Aquarius. It's my birthday next week. So, you know, um, and although I have an Aquarius placement in Vedic sidereal, I'm a Capricorn um, like the sun is currently in Capricorn right now while we're recording this. So, you know, uh, it's, I'd, and I don't put myself in that box because I'm all the signs and, you know, so are you. We just have different elements and makeups of them. So it's like, if you, it'd be like identifying with just your arm, like, you know, this is, this is just me. And it's like, no, you're everything, but you do have some dominant, particularly like I'll say elements, you know, you have dominant elements that make up you. But with Vedic, we look mainly at the rising sign and the moon sign. So they're the two most important uh, signs when we're looking to see who this person is, what they look like, you know, what their life path is. The rising sign sets out your whole life path. It's the, you know, point of reference, if you will, that you can map everything in your whole life against. So that's my main look to. And then the moon, In if you went to India and someone asked you your sign, you would say your moon sign, not, or, or your rising sign. You wouldn't say your sun sign. Like they don't, care about that Uh, which is so interesting that the west got so captivated by the sun which has a reason behind it it's because the sun is easily predictable it moves once every 30 days the moon moves every 2.5 days and the rising sun moves every two hours so you know it's a lot harder you need a birth time for a rising sign you you know if you were on a cusp of a moon you also kind of need a birth time but you know like you're pretty safe if you're in like the middle of uh, a sign it's just a little bit more vast and inclusive if you will to use a sun sign and that's why um you know western really adopted that because they could send it out to the masses like here's something everyone can use which in itself we know as like being inclusive is helpful. There's a lot of people that don't know their birth times and that's really hard. Um, You can do things like birth chart rectifications, not something I do, but you know, they are um, possibilities where you can move backwards from where you are right now and map out the, like basically the events that have unfolded over your life so far and rectify your birth chart from there. But it's a process. (laughs) It's not an easy one. And it's done by a specific very specialized and experienced person, astrologer. In saying that, looking at your moon sign 
is actually a way to see into your inner landscape. So like, you know, they say that only your closest people see your moon sign. And there is some truth to that because we don't let everyone into our, you know, our comfort zone, our safe space, you know. We even sometimes we don't let our closest people into that thing. You know, you can have thoughts processing through your mind that you don't tell anyone else, you know. It's it's quite vast, it's unknown, it's forever changing, which really shows that aspect of the mo- the moon and the mind coming together because how quickly does your mind change how quickly do we flow through emotions or as we should we should never be like kind of holding on to them sticking onto them we should be letting them come and go but also not identifying and like sticking with them because they're often not asked their their external factors but it does show you sort of into the inner workings of a person yeah it's it's a great way to understand something it's also very intimate and very sacred because when you see into someone like that, which I always feel such a privilege when I see into someone's birth chart because I feel like I'm seeing a part of them that almost no one else gets to see. And it can sometimes be a little bit confronting. I recently saw one of my friends who I've known for a really long time's birth chart. It was super interesting because I was like, oh, like he's he's a close friend. I was like, oh, that explains a lot. But I was like, it, it was very validating because I was like, I understand you now, you know, and that's what we can see with the, the moon sign, but also the rising sign. Yeah, that's also like fascinating to me as someone who like very armchair understanding of, of Western astrology as it is that your moon sign matters more. So I, I think that's so, that's so curious I, I did also pull up my chart. It's been a while since I pulled up my Vedic chart. And, you know, I wish I could show you all, <laughs> you people at home, what it looks like. You know, you could look it up as well, or you could book a reading so you can get this insight too. But there's something really exciting about how visually different the chart is. In, in Western, I am a Sagittarius sun, Virgo moon, Libra rising. And yeah, so beginning with the one that apparently matters more, moon. (laughs) Um, My moon is in Leo and I would be a Virgo ascendant in Vedic astrology, which. Yeah. Yeah. And then a Scorpio Scorpio sun. sun. Right. Yes. And um, so you said Leo, moon, Virgo, rising, Scorpio sun, Vedic. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, it's it's super interesting that big thing that I think a lot of people find is that difference and they get scared because obviously there is like an identification process with the western chart because it's so dominant in the space. It's you know defaulted into us and especially now astrology is so mainstream and um you know like on trend really. It's part of popular culture right now um that everyone actually knows a lot about astrology you know there's a lot of people that have uh, a, a great interest in it and so when they see the chart is different and they're particularly their son you know their big three isn't the same and they've kind of 
made a process to sort of attach to that, you know, somehow that they can, some people can get a little bit upset or, you know, feel like it's not correct. But the biggest thing I hear from people is they're like, it actually makes so much sense. You know, they have this resonance with it that they'll, some people like myself would be like, I never felt like my, you know, say my other signs. I have a hard time because I do identify with both. I can see how I am both, but it's because they actually reflect each other in a really similar way, um, which is interesting. But at the same time, I think that we shouldn't attach ourselves to any external thing, you know, because really that's kind of creating a bias that, like you said before, when someone goes, oh, I hate Scorpios or, you know, Capricorns are assholes, they just like money or, you know, like Geminis are two-faced, like all those stereotypes that we really fall into. And the actual reality of that is that none of those are true. All of them could be true as well. (laughs) You know, like there's no default thing, you know, like you can't, say it's it's there's no standard you know it's so specific to the person and their individual makeup and their placements because then you know each of those say houses also has a ruler that's placed somewhere else which adds in a whole nother layer a whole nother factor so it's so layered and so nuanced that you can't really stereotype anything to do with astrology each of us have like I don't think there would be one birth chart in the whole world that would be the same as each other. So that makes us also individual and all different. That is a really great reframe because I, I, I've often said, if I send you my Western astrology birth chart, you'd laugh at it. (laughs) And there is frustration that I know that I feel when you know, trying to interpret that. So I I love what you said previously as well, that our we we aren't just one sign, we're really all of them. And I feel like that's not really a perspective that we touch on that often. And there is some overlap with the astrologies with that, but I feel like that comes through more in Vedic astrology from what you've shared thus far. So mm-hmm. I I love that so much because we are complex humans and we can't be distilled down into like these binary things. No, not at all. And yeah, we're all like multi-hyphenate people that have so many different interests. And as I said at the start, when I described myself, like I wear so many different hats and so many different people and I'm not the same person in any situation. Like, and, and nor should I, sh- I should be like, I'm not going to be the same person I am talking to you as I am when I'm with my children. Like they're, they're two different roles, they're different hats, but it is very holistic. And when you see it sort of all mapped out, they all integrate together. And, and like we, the a story or a web that kind of creates this whole picture, you can't really identify separately which we often do we often like to break things down because our mind likes to put things in little boxes it's very virgo you know like this bit goes here and this bit goes here and it's very organized and i can make sense of that it's like making sense of something but like you said humans are so 
interesting and you know you can't really make sense of a human because it's we're all so different but that's where stereotypes and things come in because we are trying to fit people into little boxes and it's often extremely harmful and you know can condense you down to something that you're one not or you may be but you're also a million other things but I do love that about Vedic astrology. I think it does come across even when people have some qualms with like say their sign changing, they'll often be like, you know, it does make sense. And like usually the big one is the timing or the life sort of map, if you will, that comes out of it, the picture. They're like, it's it's accurate. It's, on, it's pretty on point. You can see life through that and like my favorite thing about work and my probably sort of passion as I said was originally so drawn to the lunar cycle and is like working with the cosmic cycle so working with the lunar cycles and how that each of the cycles pulls up a part of your life it creates a lesson so we do this like basically every year this journey that we go around the 12 um, houses which can be likened to the hero's journey and we have this adventure and Sometimes we end up in the same, exact same place in the same, well, hopefully a little higher perspective, but, you know, we're in the same place pretty much each time of year. It's very predictable and very mappable, which is what I love about it because, as I said, being, you know, having some big Capricorn placements, I love that practicality, that, that you know, very predictable nature of it being like, you know what, you can see what's coming. Like I know I'm in an eighth house cycle at the moment and, as I said, like I've got, I've got like a lot, I've got uh, five planets in my eighth house. So it's a lot of stuff there and it's bring up so much uncertainty, but because I have seen, like, I know that my eighth house is activated right now. I kind of knew it was coming. So although it's uncertain and, you know, it's a bit chaotic change at the moment for me, I also can see I saw it coming. So I'm like, I'm unsurprised. I'm like, yes. Okay. Right on time. (laughs) But we can all do that, which actually creates like a tool to expand your life because you can see these cycles play out. And regardless of what Zodiac you want to use, the reason why I use Sidereal Zodiac as we've sort of like touched on briefly, but is because it's the accurate picture of the planets right now in the sky. So if you get one of those apps, Skywalk, you know, star map, there's a heaps of them, and you point it up into the sky, you can see that the sun and the moon will be placed in the actu- accurate sign. So it's not the tropical placement. And most tropical, Western tropical astrologers, if they're good, which there are some really good ones, obviously, Um, they will admit to you that it's not an accurate placement in the sky, that, say, the sun is in Capricorn right now. It's not in Aquarius. But this is because the uh, tropical zodiac is a um, projected view of a placement that was fixed 2,000 years ago. And the sidereal placement, moves with the sky and is fixed to the 27 nakshatras which are also known as the lunar constellations or lunar mansions which are also used by multiple cultures 
the nakshatra is just their traditional Sanskrit name. And so they are the fixed stars. They never move. So the planets then get placed sort of pinned on them and that's where uh, we get our placements from, where the fixed part of tropical Western astrology is that it's fixed to the uh, equinoxes. So it's, you know, the start of the zodiac is fixed to the spring equinox in the northern hemisphere, which also validates me so much because, as you know, I live in the southern hemisphere and I always think it's so weird that, you know, we're in the opposite season. So, like, I'm like, how does tropical astrology work? Like, if it's in the opposite season you know it's like Aries spring you know things are happening but then I'm like but except we're in the other hemisphere but surprisingly there's uh sidereal placements actually make a lot of sense because they've got this subtle layer that's woven through which is to do with the nakshatras and I can see the relation there because there's this extra layer there that has more in-depth understanding Oh, absolutely. You know, even within this conversation, there's so much more foundation that you've provided me than any time I've gone into an astrologer (laughs) in my life. And I'm sure if I asked for it, I would probably get it. But I think that really speaks to the framework of it and how it functions and is ultimately meant to serve the person that's using it. And uh, yeah, I think it it is spot on too, but I just really appreciate the kind of attention and care that you provide to people as well when they're kind of coming to you having more of a Western perspective, because that is a little bit of what I felt. <laughs> Even though I don't love my big three there's like a weird like feeling territorial about it. So when everything was different, when I ran it Mm -hmm. through it, it was both affirming that like maybe I could have something else to relate to, but also like, no, I was supposed to make it work (laughs) when that might, that feels like the opposite of what you're positing Vedic astrology can offer you. It's not like a fitting, trying to fit into something, but trying to maximize like positions of where we are, et cetera. And yeah, you know, I, I found that really affirming. Yeah. That's so good. And like, it's, yeah, it's not supposed to fit you into a box and it's supposed to expand your life. And like, when you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, why can't you be both? Like, you know, you can be both. They're two different lenses. They're not supposed to be, you know, like uh, if you listen to my teacher talk, he'll often say that he's right. Like, you know, that sidereal astrology is the correct placement. Um, He's very Gemini. (laughs) And he like, but it can be both. Like it doesn't have to be, you don't have to choose. Like I I always try and tell people that like you can have both. You can see yourself through both. I do find the choosing when you follow certain things. So like if you're going to say follow the lunar cycle, it's sometimes best to choose one because otherwise you will just get confused because, you know, that, that specifically is more difficult. But as for yourself and seeing yourself, like, 
I see myself through many lenses, like, you know, say human design, for example, like I love using that as a tool. I find it really expansive. And that's the other thing. If your, any of your tools doesn't validate, not validate, but like it doesn't expand your life in some way that isn't helpful, isn't useful, it doesn't make you feel expansive and optimistic, then it's probably not the right tool for you. Or like that's that's the purpose of it. Like my big beef with so many astrologers and like especially like I call them like insta astrologers. And you know what? I'm I'm pretty much one of them. You know, I post a lot of insta- <laughs> astrology stuff on Instagram. Like, but my big beef is that people like to scare people. It's like uh, fear mongering. It's really negative. It's very like scary. I've even used that tactic sometimes to myself because you know what? People. Re- will read it like you know say I, I've done a sub stack on Saturn's seven years seven and a half years which is a specific thing to do with Vedic astrology which is when Saturn is transiting over the top of your moon sign but it goes for seven and a half years and they they call it seven and a half years of bad luck which you know as we know is tied to breaking a mirror but I use that title because it's a good title. It's a title that people will click on. They don't want seven and a half years of bad luck. How can I avoid that? Guess what? You can't avoid that. It's going to happen to all of us and everyone goes through it. It's a rite of passage. But people will read it and as soon as, you know, this first line in the thing was, you know, it's not as scary as it sounds, you know, that's just what people call it. So, like, I've just finished mine and... I've had a lot of luck in that time. You know, I've bought a house. I've had two kids. I'm, you know, like I said, closed a business, opened a business. I've had so many expansive possibilities happen in that time. But that is what people call it. And they do say it is seven and a half years of hard times because Saturn's involved. Saturn is both a blessing and a bit of a curse. Like it's, you know, that practical lessons often that we don't want to learn and really in in reality it's actually just hard work and humans are lazy and want to be comfortable so like we're just like I don't want to do the hard work I want it to be easy and it's like no it's not going to be especially if Saturn's involved (laughs) life is inherently hard (laughs) no definitely I I I wonder too if that's the other layer of it is like we with the kind of Western perspective kind of reduce things down a lot to these like binary things. And I think everybody fears for Saturn return and my ended up being really chill. Mm. Like I'm going through harder times now, I think <laughs> than I did back then. And I always thought that was so curious and everybody's like afraid of the big bad Saturn and you know, you're you're spot on from like the business perspective of if you're going to do something important, it's probably going to end up being hard. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it can still be fulfilling or that it can't still give you something yeah. <laughs> or feel like, again, that success signature that we're known for as projectors. Like it doesn't mean that it will be only hard, but it will mean that you have to commit to the difficult thing in order to make it happen Mm -hmm. and you know with that 
I, for, for folks who are not as familiar, you know, please do also provide like your definition, but I'm curious about how you weave together the Vedic astrology with timeline collapsing. Cause I know that's something you've also been talking about and leading folks through a decent amount in the last few months, yeah. as long as I've been getting your sub stack. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, please. So timeline jumping was also an interesting thing that I ended up like falling into. So it, it's a modality created by P the fairy. And um, I had looked to work with them and I like the timing wasn't right the first time. And I had a dream about, it's really random, but I had a dream about this episode of community where it's like they throw the dice to who's going to go get the pizza from downstairs. And then Abed goes, uh, you know, you're starting, to, you're creating six different timelines right now. And I just like had this full visual dream of the timelines that were being created. Like I love community. It's like my, you know, I turn it on when I'm like just wanting to like numb out. And I've seen that episode so many times. But it's so funny because in my head I wrote this like I often do this, right, sort of write things while I'm sleeping. I'll come up with like, you know, usually a couple of sentences or like just a phrase or something like that. Often I forget about it, but sometimes I have enough awareness to be able to get up and quickly write it in my phone. But it was like basically how we at every moment create new timelines and, you know, we're always making decisions that creates a new timeline for us, which is actually it really does work. Like we have all these possibilities in front of us. There's a million different ones. All of, you know, the sort of possibilities that we chose led us to right where we are. And then there's all these different possibilities laid in front of us and um, you get to choose where you go. So I love the expansiveness at that, as that, like I love, I love possibility. I love expansion. I, you know, live for my exalted Jupiter (laughs) and I am like this is something that I want to be able to offer because I want it to be easy that's one of my words that I always come back to I want it to be easy I want it to be expansive and I don't I don't want it to be hard and also I want it to come back to you have everything in you already like you hold the keys to every path and you get to choose so it sort of brings that like agency back to you and yes I know there's like situations that like we can't control and that some people like myself are extremely privileged and have a heads up or head start if you will on certain pathways Like I'm so lucky to own my own home, like the bank owns it, but you know what I mean? Like (laughs) have a mortgage on my home. (laughs) Like I love that I have that opportunity because firstly, it's something I never thought I would have, but you know, timeline lent me to being able to get here from privilege really. But the timeline jumping shifts you out of like a mental state that maybe feels like restrictive or, stuck or stagnant that's specifically when it's so good 
those moments where you're like, I'm stuck on this path. Like I said, you know, we have this predictable journey, but maybe you don't want to go in that way again. Maybe you get to that point where you're like, I'm sick of, you know, getting to this part of the year and feeling like this happens all the time and I don't want to do this anymore. Then you can choose, okay, choose choose my own journey, choose my own character and it's already within you in your subconscious. So the timeline jumping basically is embodiment practice where you can go into your subconscious and it tells you, guides you to find that next right path, the next right action and the energy and characteristics that you need to embody and move along the path to your, you know, ideal destination, which is obviously unique to every single person because it's, you know, so varied and success, if you will, as one measure is different for everyone. doesn't look the same for anyone. So that's, it's, it's so expansive. And every single person that I've run through a timeline jump, they're doing it. I just help a little bit, you know, it's not, it's not me, it's them. But uh, the expansion I've seen is so amazing, like life-changing results. And I don't love to talk myself up. It's actually one of my probably worst attributes. I can't really, I can't like give you a spiel about who I am, what I do and how good I am. It's just not my thing. But I can't not talk about how great timeline jumping is because it's so obvious. Like these people have had healings and like massive career changes and moves and just like full blown shifts, awakenings, if you will. But again, I didn't do any of it. Like it wasn't me. <laughs> like I, that's so egotistic if I was like to say that it was me, but it, it was them. I just facilitated the process. I helped the the connection really. Like it's like the bridge, you know, like the connection between the two things. It's just sometimes P calls it a tour guide. Like I, sometimes you just need someone to show you the way and say like, hey, this is, you know, th- you know, this way is here. It's like going on holidays, but you don't know the place. And you're like, if I can get a tour guide, I'm going to be able to see like the cool spots, like the, you know, locals only places that no one knows. And not just like the crappy tourist part, because that's actually not what this place is like. So it's really that, that, you know, having that exclusive knowledge to be able to kind of go in and and find the spot that really good place that you can get to and find the magic that you already have inside you and that's what I love about it that you know you're not getting anything from anywhere else it's already within you and again that's expansive in itself because then you know that you hold you are the one that you need you are the answer like I always say that about astrology as well and like that really to answer your question. That's how I see it fit in. I don't see astrology as the answer. I see astrology as the question that leads you to the answer because you already have the answers within you and the same as timeline jumping. It's merely like a question. Maybe it is like, why am I feeling stuck right now? And you could say the same thing about the tarot or 
um, the Akashic Records, like they're just questions. You contain the answer. And also the answer is not within that thing. It's within you because you could also get all of this information. Sometimes it won't hit. You won't actually get the piece of the puzzle that you need. But one day it might, you know, one day you might read one thing, maybe it's like one sentence out of my substack that comes and hits you in the right spot. And you're like, fuck, like that's it. You know, I found the the thing. And like, that's a hard thing with say readings or even timeline jumping. It could be the whole session, like literally a whole hour. You might not hit on the thing, but it's like the last 10 minutes or it might be like the first 10 minutes. Often that actually is the way. <laughs> it's like the first sentence was it. <laughs> but then you have that. I think we're always wanting it to be more complicated. But again, with timeline jumping, it's simple. It's easy. It's within you. You already hold the tools. Technically, I could guide you through a timeline jump and then you could go on to do it a hundred more times yourself because you've got that tool, you've got that understanding, you've found that place kind of thing that you can connect to because it's already in you and you've got the access point then. Yeah, thank you so much for, for laying that out so comprehensively because I, while you were talking, I thought of like, something that always comes like is rolling in the back of my mind whenever I talk about like wellness or anything like witchy or anything, you know, whether even though I might be very blunt on the internet, I still like, I'm not immune to like judgment or what people may be thinking about what I do. So there's that part of me that's like, would people want to perceive timeline jumping as like spiritual bypassing by it really does sound more like like not at all because it's not as though you're skipping any steps. It's about kind of a redirect. It's that it's already available. It's not as though you like had like a cheat code to like play. Like it's not the Sims where you're like, let me get a few thousand dollars. Like out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm like, if only. Um but that it's it's already present, it's already there. Yeah. So, you know, thank you. And like exactly that, you know, if you want to be a lawyer, you can't not go to law school. You know, it doesn't work like if you want to write a book and that's the end result, you can't no one's gonna write it for you unless you have tons of money, you can hire a ghostwriter. But like ideally you have to write it, but you can get an easier path to that. There's an, there could be an easier way. You don't have to like sit at your desk slogging it out. It might flow out of you like a channel and you think, where did that come from? How did it come so easy? It doesn't always have to be hard. And, you know, as someone who has a lot of Capricorn energy, often I do find things hard, but I'm always chasing it not to be. <laughs> like I want it to not feel hard. But I'm also not scared of a bit of hard work. Like I'm not, I'm not worried about getting my hands dirty. But it doesn't always have to be that way. And I think that that's where the magic comes in, that you can kind of say, you know, I'm not bypassing the whole process, like exactly what you said. But I can choose a better way. There could be, it's like 
getting to a destination, you could walk, you could ride a bike, you could catch public transport, you could go in a car. You know, there's so many different ways to get there. And they all have their different benefits, you know, like there could be so many different ways you might want to walk that day because it feels expansive and you want some fresh air. You need to clear your mind by walking in nature. But also you might be in a rush, so you need the car today. You know, there's so many different ways to get to one place. It's just not, again, one size fits all. It's not one, and it's not one destination either. We all have these different places we're trying to get to. So that's the big magic part of it that you can come back to yourself and it's like, how do I need to get there? You know, how do I want to take this process? And I also come back to the same thing. Like you said, I I also am not, you know, (laughs) I definitely take feedback sometimes a little bit too hard and I'm probably the most critical of myself. But I also have again, complete faith and trust in the process. And I also back my stuff like a hundred percent. I don't think I'd do it if I didn't think that it was great and I loved it. And that's a big thing with like creating, like if you're creating for validation or if you're trying to chase success, like this, you know, destination point, because you think that it's, what success should be or it'll make someone else think you're successful, you're not going to be fulfilled or it's it's not going to feel good. So it's it's all about coming back to yourself and your, your own intuition and like your own internal operating system and timeline jumping really brings you back there really quickly. I also find that a lot of people when they've jumped feel sense of, like I said, trust acceptance and peace like there's a real peace that comes with it because you know you witness I think you witness divine timing and sort of see how the path is laid out and then also see how all the bits are moving it feels different to how we you know set up linear time and then you can kind of go on and go okay you know I can see how this works now. I understand maybe what's going to lay in my way and some ways I can get around it. And I understand that, you know, it will be how it's supposed to. I'll get to the exact place when I'm supposed to get there, you know, on the bus maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's so beautifully articulated. I I think that kind of shift in outlook can even help somebody begin to open up to the idea of timeline jumping and seeing somebody for that kind of facilitation because you know I I still find, you know, I I hear you that I could keep doing this myself if I needed to or wanted to. But no, I do find that being guided through it helps me because I I will resist. <laughs> I I'm still trying, it's a process, you know, learning that some things will be hard because you have to put in effort, but does it mean that everything is hard always Mm -hmm. or that it has to be like, you're constantly like pushing a rock up a hill. Like, no, maybe you don't need to do that. You can find a better way. And I think 
like having someone help you through the process sets a real intention of why you're doing it and what you're doing and you're very in that moment it's like you know you can do a facial on yourself but sometimes it's really nice to go get someone else to do it for you or you can do a workout yourself but going to a gym puts you in the setting where you're that's all you're focused on you're not getting distracted by something else you have no excuses you're there you kind of like just got to do it you know because I'm here so the same with the timeline jumping when you're in the moment with someone else helping you you can really like set that intention and I do believe you know when we're in the structure we're in the you know the space that everything flows faster and stronger because it's like setting up a support system to get that magic moving quicker, you know, get the water flowing if you want to use the elements <laughs> faster because it's supported by something else. And, um, yeah, so it does It does really help that process. And it's not scary. A lot of people ha- have said to me, oh, is it scary because, you know, we talk about the void and I know that probably doesn't scare you at all (laughs) and so it shouldn't because yeah the void is neutral it's not it's not a scary thing you know we do associate it with darkness but it's because it's the matter is so you know dense there's so much possibility in one space that you it you know it, it gives the appearance of like yeah dark darkness or the void of absence so you know we all came from darkness that was the original sort of thing you know like they say the seed in the soil is you know comes from the darkness so we see that with the new moon or the dark moon opening up to a new cycle winter being the start of a cycle as well you know we always start things in in the dark um, the day starts in the dark, you know, you can, you can go on. <laughs> but it's not scary. It's possibility. And that's also another reason why having a guide is really helpful because if at any point you felt uncertain, then, you know, it it can be sort of reassuring to have someone there, especially someone there that's not scared of it. <laughs> exactly. Not Not unlike how you could... You could do the work yourself, theoretically, like it's been done before, to kind of investigate your mortality shadow. Mm-hmm. But having somebody there who is, who one, has almost died once, at least once, <laughs> and also is trained in that, you know, having someone facilitate with that kind of foundation really does make a difference mm-hmm. in helping you begin to kind of go through like excavating that, you know, stirring up a little bit of things that have been laying dormant. But again, they're they're there for you to look yeah, at. Yeah, we all have that shadow there that, you know, we've got those both sides. I actually, it's funny you say that I had um, a like, big mortality. I recently had a big one with my eighth house cycle because of course, um, but uh, not that long ago, 
it was actually, I think, the sun in Scorpio, sidereal. I had a big python that was just hanging around our house on our property. Now, like, I live in a place where snakes are pretty abundant. (laughs) And so, you know, I actually didn't want to move to where we live because I knew snakes were abundant. My town is actually named after a black snake. So we have these deadly snakes called red belly black snakes where I live. And it's, that's, it's named after that. Anywho, I, this python was hanging around and I could stand less than a meter away from it because it's just a, it's just a python. It's not poisonous. I realized I have like a fear of snakes. Again, I didn't want to move to where I live because of snakes. I realized I'm not scared of snakes. I'm scared of venomous snakes. So it's not the snake that I'm scared of. I just don't want to die. (laughs) So it, actually really affirmed something to me I'm like oh like I here's me being like oh snakes are scary and then I was like no the potential of interacting with the snake that is venomous is scary and I don't want to do that (laughs) so that's my you know mortality thing I was like oh cool I just don't want to die that's great (laughs) I know this now (laughs) really unlock something for me um obviously we're all dying at it's part of life but at the same point I also feel like I'm like I'm not ready to to die yet (laughs) which is actually interesting um because I've recently had like a a heap of invasive sort of tests because I've got some weird like circulation things going on and I also then had to like assess my mortality again and think to myself oh like if I was to have something serious happen which I still don't know how like it's it's not serious and it is serious but it's not serious as in I'm not dying um but I was like faced with that mortality piece and I was kind of like oh what is it that scares me about this and I actually think I was more scared of like not my children not having me there as that was actually the bit that scared me the most of being like I don't want them not to have me around and so it was a very interesting process again very tied to my eighth house (laughs) to say like what if I you know let what I've had I left you know what would happen you know what was the process the that abandonment that fear of the unknown and again like that's where astrology comes back and sort of ties around and it was really affirming for me because I understood what energies were present in my life right now and I was like okay I understand why this is coming up for me and I know that there's a remedy or a come to God moment waiting for me not too far away you know in a few weeks time I'll have that moment because we all have that moment in different ways it might not be experienced for you and a health issue like what I'm going through at the moment but it could come through in a way that's like someone else that you know or just an experience that is like an awareness an awakening that comes through it doesn't always have to be triggered by say an event but could just be triggered by this Uh, energy that comes through you know and says like hey you're here now be present and aware and you know see the preciousness of life and then you realize okay I get it so I know that 
that thing is coming after the uncertainty comes, you know, the sun and you see the light and understand and accept that everything is in its exact right place. It's that acceptance that comes. But sometimes that in itself is <laughs> difficult to come to, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it's just one of those sort of interesting processes that I see quite literally with astrology playing out. And, again, it's not me uniquely. Like this happens to everyone. So that's when we work with this stuff. We're like, okay, like it quite literally plays out in front of you and you can utilise it as a tool to be able to see, you know, what's coming up next for you and so you're not surprised or caught off guard or you can just prepare like in advance say for like the weather or whatnot and be ready for whatever is sort of coming and how it's going to come up I I don't often I I like to affirm people not grade them so I don't want to say like good job (laughs) on your your reflection there but no I think you really honed in on what I like to kind of guide folks through which is let's really name what you're afraid of when it comes to mortality. And as a parent, that's absolutely like top of mind, especially if your children are younger than being in maybe like teens, twenties, et cetera. And even then you're still going to worry because I'm, I'm 32 and my mom's still like, what happened? What will happen? (laughs) Like just period. (laughs) And you're like, mom, stop. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I have adult problems now that you you can't solve that easily anymore. So don't worry about yeah. it. But no, and I I'd like to shift to my my favorite and final question, yes. which is what is something that people never ask about you that you wish came up more often? Oh, that's really good, but really hard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I it's okay. I've had people curse at me before. <laughs> yeah. A few Emmy. Um yeah. so being a mother and a female, I feel like I don't get asked very often what I want. Um it's something I always feel very like I sort of the last person and it's, I think, part karma, <laughs> but also I think just society, it's sort of we come last or we put everyone first. So, you know, I I would love to just be asked more often, like, what I wanted, what I liked, be considered a bit more often, like those things. And when someone does it, it's so, like, sometimes uncomfortable like even just you asking that question because it doesn't happen very often so if someone was like you know what do you like what do you you know want what do you need like it's almost triggering to sort of be like I don't know like you know because it's when something that never happens happens you're you're kind of caught off guard so that's probably something that I would like uh, a little bit more sort of to be considered and like you know uh, be put first because it just it just doesn't happen very often anymore and it is something I actually love with like say my work life because I use it as a channel to 
firstly channel my creativity, which is like one of my core values, but also just as a, a separate place that I can, you know, be considered also like my opinions are very important and like people always email me you know about my writing or just reply to Instagram story or you know it's having those interactions that makes you sort of it takes you away from that sort of mundane role which I am find myself in you know say (laughs) at least 12 hours out of the day if not longer it's it's different and I I do enjoy that part where I'm like I'm not the person that needs to you know do all the things I actually have a considered opinion and you know my creative works are appreciated and you know and and that's not to say my family don't appreciate my creativity because obviously they do in in their own unique special way but they don't appreciate my creativity with astrology because it's just not their thing. Like my husband's like, I don't understand that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's something that I'd probably, that would be the answer. Like being just considered a little bit more and asked, you know, what I need or what I want or what I like. Like I being a projector have like, you know, spiraling obsessions it's you know, I know you probably do as well. Like hone into some little thing that you're like obsessed with you know, at the moment, my thing at the moment is I'm starting to be obsessed with Web3 and NFTs. It's just like a big deep dive at the moment. I'm just like starting to deep dive. I've been like on the surface or dipping my toe in for a while. And so now I'm just like starting to like paddle around a bit more. And so that's really fun and interesting. But like, I don't have anyone to talk to about that. So I'm trying to find my community online and like, you know, do that sort of stuff. And that's where the internet, which is very North Node, is like super expansive for us because we can kind of go in and find these people that relate to us and it creates possibilities and creates this possibility and also like the timeline jumping and, you know, it's so much access and expansion and like it just appears out of thin air like it's amazing I find that it's like a whole different world here so that's why I love being able to be you know an online creative because I can do so much here and be considered by someone like yourself who is so lovely and appreciate so much (laughs) yeah I I really value and I I I could empathize a lot with your response to that question. And it makes me all the more glad that I asked you to be on the podcast. So you could talk about, you could have, you could have you time where you're not mom mode, where you're in your zone of genius. Yeah. It's, it's really wonderful to, to behold. Like they say it about projectors, but like seeing it on calls with projectors, like when, you ask them about the thing that they, that is like their thing. It's like the floodgates open and it's like, I'm so glad you asked me that question. Here we go. (laughs) It's so beautiful to witness. And thank you for, for coming on. And, you know, you, you touched on a few things that you've been um, working on as your ways of kind of dispensing the information, like clarifying the perspective that you have how else can people find you on the internet? And if you do have um, 
other kind of things going on down the pipeline, uh, please, please share what, what you have going on in your world. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Soma underscore Tide. And on Substack, I'm the Con- Cosmic Surfcast. That's on Substack. I also think it's just under Soma, Soma Tide Substack. Uh, that's my kind of internet presence. Um, I like, I'm sort of delving into some of the other ones, but very slowly cause I'm just slow. So hopefully maybe you'll be able to find me somewhere else. Coming up, I am just wrapping sort of up in the next few weeks. I don't know when this will be, um, be launched, but I've just done like my, uh, 2023, personal forecast which has been amazing and super expansive and I may do like a quarterly version of that I just have to sort of see how it works which I guess will be like a sort of zoomed in uh, lens I'm doing a quarterly workshop at the moment I've just done the first one which is called planning with the planets so every quarter we'll go through the three months of the um, quarter and what's coming up in like what to focus on um which has been really fun and exciting i will be relaunching my planetary magic which is uh working with planetary days and hours um pretty soon hopefully uh i've got like a million things that i want to create uh some really cool workshops i haven't really like fully solidified this year because it just feels like quite you know uh, hasn't quite landed yet for me, but there's so much potential and there's so much coming in this year. I feel we have some really cool collaborations and just like expansive projects that I'd like to do. That's about that's about it. Uh, heaps happening this year, and I can see myself going in like a lot of different sort of directions and even more expansive and trying to like expand into not just um my sort of niche which I guess is sidereal astrology but also like into other things as well because astrology can be applied to everything That's all for today's episode, everyone. While we reach the end of this particular conversation, it's time to turn it over to you. Did something I say lead to some spiderweb thinking and you wish we could go even deeper? Do you have more questions? Please do share what's on your mind in email, voice memo, etc. And do let me know those post-pod questions or ideas or if you'd like to have a particular guest come on the podcast. You know, don't be shy. Let's keep the conversation going. If you liked what you heard, and this is all really hitting home for you, please do leave a five-star rating and a review and pass it along to even one friend you think would benefit from what we talked about today on The Violet Vulture. But that's all for today, friends. Thank you for tuning in The Violet Vulture. Bye for now.